Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Interesting show, interesting podcast we have for you today. We have a guest. I know you're, what you're thinking, Jacob. Oh my God, you have a guest one week till tennis. I know. I snuck one in here. I told you I probably wouldn't, but I did it anyway. Um, this guest I'm pretty excited about. This guest comes from my hometown, Mitchell, South Dakota. I don't even know if I've ever said I'm from Mitchell on this podcast, but, um, from my hometown, Mitchell, South Dakota, I played with him all growing up. Um, we have a very dense history of playing tennis together. And then he went on to play club tennis at the university of Nebraska Lincoln, where he ended up playing at a lot of cool, like events and tournaments. And I think they went to the national tennis center once or twice. Um, and a lot of cool, he, his tennis career went a little bit farther than mine because my program got cut fresh off freshman year. And I think I've, I've ranted on here about that before, but please welcome into the podcast, UNL alum, maybe hold on grad school because of the coronavirus. Who knows? Brendan Lear. Brendan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to talk some tennis and and get into it. Yeah. This guy, this guy's kind of a fed fan with me. So, um, absolutely. I've, I've, we've clicked on that level, but real quick, you played at the national tennis center in Orlando. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I was in Orlando. Um, it was a huge center. I think they had, I don't know, uh, 60 some courts. Um, half of them were blue clay, uh, which was pretty sweet. Uh, didn't get to play on those at all when we were there, but, um, got to kind of look at them. There were a few, you had to like rent a time if you wanted to hop on the blue clay, but um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's where uh, UCF actually plays as well. And uh, when we were there, uh, CC Bellis normally trains there as well, and and she commentated for the uh, championship match. So that was pretty sweet to kind of be around that area and and see all of the all of the majesty that is the national campus. Yeah, living in the northern states, it's a little weird to go to the southern states and see like how much like how big their facilities are like in college i went and played in orlando not there but other places and i was like how do you guys have like 25 outdoor courts like no indoor courts and they're like well you know it's always hot out here um the something we have to touch on just real quick because i know he's a listener but our assistant coach in high school got inducted to the south Dakota hall of fame and i told him i'd give him a shout out his name's chad larson chad was our coach brendan brendan what's your favorite chad like moment or something that he did that was one of your favorite it'll stick with you forever oh man i mean there's so much uh with chad chad's a huge music buff as well as a big tennis guy uh, i mean it just goes back to when we were in high school all the times that he would he would come up and, and chad likes to talk and and uh so we kind of uh, dubbed a term for every time that Chad goes on a rant with uh, with one of his players. And so we call it Chad Vice because it's all the advice that Chad is giving you. Um, so he always loves to give Chad Vice. Um, I mean, I just remember it was always it was always a good time to have him come and talk to you. And, and I mean, he taught me everything I know. And so, I mean, I 
attribute any of my tennis success to to that guy and it it, it couldn't have gone to a, a more deserving candidate to to get into the south dakota tennis hall of fame so congrats to to chad out there it's that's a pretty big pretty big accomplishment now when i was th- when i was thinking about this episode earlier this week i was like okay me and brendan we gotta mention chad like we have to yeah. and i'm gonna ask him like what his favorite moment is and i was like i'm trying to think of my favorite moment and all i could think of was chad vice like I don't, yep. I don't know why, yep. but I was like, you know, there's not like a moment, but every time he would talk, it'd be like, oh, what'd you, did you get some Chad advice? Yeah, he'd give you some Chad <laughs> advice, and it was always like, especially in like doubles, he'd come talk to you and be like, yeah, some more Chad advice. Like I just, we'll see what we can do with it and roll with it. And we always gave him a hard time in high school, but he was, he was one of those guys who gave him a hard time, and then a couple years back, you're like, man, I really did learn a lot from that guy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth. I mean, it's like every once in a while you'd just be like, Chad, gosh, just leave us alone. Like, just just let us get through this match. And then you look back and you're like, okay, you know, maybe I could have taken that and, and used that. And it was pretty helpful in the end. So yeah, maybe I was be. an annoying teenager. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right, probably. AC teens is how it goes. Yeah, no kidding. Um, moving on to the tour. Um, what you're probably wondering about, uh, Brendan, I need to know, I think I know who this is, but I'm going to let you tell me your favorite men's and women's players and why you enjoy watching them. Uh, well, I'm going to have to throw it back, um, to my former, they're no longer playing my, my first like real favorite tennis players, uh, on the guy's side, I had Andy Roddick. Uh, he was my favorite guy to watch back in the day. Um, uh, he had a huge serve and that was what I found most exciting about his game. And, and, uh, so then I always kind of tried to work on my serve as well to, to match Andy's. So he was my favorite to watch until he retired. And I mean, now the, my favorite guy on the circuit right now is, is fed. Of course. I mean, he's the goat, he's the Swiss maestro, uh, he's the man. And so, I'm you know, hoping he's going to be able to get back. I think we're talking about that later, but I'm hoping he's going to be able to get back and and get to his his Wimbledon glory is what I'm hoping for. I want to see him go out with a Wimbledon title. Me too. Um, but uh, then on the other side, uh, again another throwback. My my favorite uh, girls tennis player was um, used to be Caroline Wozniacki. She was oh. my girl. Uh, I mean, just loved watching her play. She had a heck of a forehand and and she played aggressive. You know, she she didn't just sit back and hit the ball and, and, and be a wall, she she would attack and she'd hit that forehand and get up to the net and, and play super aggressive. So that was my favorite thing to watch about her. It was, it was tough seeing her be ranked so high so many times and just always choke. But then to finally see her get that Australian Open championship, I mean, that was that was pretty awesome. And so it seems like she's enjoying retirement. So I'm, I'm happy for her. And she was, she was one of my favorites to, play, to watch play back in the day. And uh, right now, I'm kind of stuck in the middle. I don't really have a, a favorite women's player right now, you know, um, kind of like a little bit of Azarenka. She's, you know, hasn't been too relevant over the last few years. Um, Sloan Stevens is pretty fun to watch. Um, kind of an unpopular opinion. I'm not a huge Serena Williams fan. Uh, just don't like the way things are handled on the court sometimes. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, I completely respect uh, her insane ability and how good she is. I mean, I can absolutely respect that. Uh, and then, I mean, kind of uh, really liked Coco Goff. I mean, I know she only had one big stint at Wimbledon, but man, the way she handled it, I mean, she was just straight class and it was so exciting to watch her kind of go on that run at Wimbledon. So, I mean, if she can keep that up, I mean, I'm all about it. So Chad, Chad Larson's also at. a big, 
Serena Williams fan, right? I think I think I have that correct because every time he's he's like one of the first people in my younger life that really got me into women's tennis because he loves women's tennis. He's like he does. It's so much better to watch. There's so much yep. like they're they're so much more into the game and like more passionate about it. And he's like Sir, yeah, the he Williams would... sisters, fantastic. Yeah, that sounds about right. He he would always want to watch the women's players because obviously they they can still hit hard, but they have longer points. And so there's more that goes into the point rather than, you know, for the guys, sometimes you get those big servers and those big strokes and, and it's just a serve stroke over, you know, it's, it's just how fast the points go and end. Uh, obviously that's not true for everybody, but um, I think that's why he, he always liked the, the women's teams because uh, they just, you know, would have these crazy long points and, and, but still, you know, get after it. So. Yeah, moving on to the U.S. Open and the Western Southern Open, Cincy, that's coming up here um, at the USTA National or National Tennis Center, Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in New York. Um, actually, the next time I podcast, we will already be started because on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, August 22nd, the tournament starts. Now, quick update. Um, Kainish Corey, I just got an update that he tested positive for the coronavirus and he's weighing out the West or he won't play in the Western Southern Open, but he's going to weigh out his options with the U.S. Open, which I think is going to be very hard if you're quarantined Then also you can go play in the Grand Slam. But I'm also not a professional athlete, so I don't know. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. And le- contrary to what I said last week. Bianca Andreescu is not playing in the U.S. Open due to coronavirus concerns. And so both reigning champs, Rafa and Bianca, won't be playing in the U.S. Open. But, Brendan, as a fan watching it, um, it's going to be like a lot of other sports, but I'm just going to be um, in- intrigued to watch an Arthur Ashe match with no fans because the ball echoes so bad in there when there's no fans, and it's going to be interesting. But as a fan, what are you expecting for this upcoming U.S. Open? Oh, I mean, that's tough. It's, it is certainly going to be weird with, you know, no one in the stands at all. You know, I'm wondering even with the umpires, how they're going to be doing that, you know, are they going to be wearing masks? Are they, you know, going to stay away from the players and the, the ball boys and all that stuff. I, you know, I haven't even thought about all the extras that go into it. Um, it I'll be interested to see if they pipe in any noise, uh, like in between points with the, you know, ebbs and flows of the match. I wonder if they're going to try and pipe in noise. They've, they've really done a good job. I think the the NBA bubble has a lot of things that all of the other professional sports can look at and go off of. And I think tennis could, could take something from that too. Uh, they have, you know, prof- professional audio engineers in the bubble and they're, they're piping in noise and they're doing it at the right time. And they're trying to get the ebbs and the flows of, of the game and, and get the crowd noise with it. And, Honestly, it's it seems pretty normal when you watch those those NBA games, and so I think if they did it right and they you know really worked at it and they yeah like I said just did, did it right, I think they can make it seem pretty normal. Uh, but you did bring up a good point about you know how, how heavy that ball is going to echo in there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at looking at the U.S. Open. I'm, I'm excited to get tennis back out there. I'm excited to watch that. So. You know, I'll be tuning in every day watching that. It's going to be extremely interesting. And with the sport of tennis, um, like with basketball and all these other sports, most of them are team team sports, so everyone's around you anyway. But tennis is unique. It's not like golf because golf has, like, you have your caddy, and that's, like, your go-to. But tennis, some of these teams in tennis, like if you're looking at, like, Djokovic, his team is probably, like, a physio, 
a couple coaches, um, you know, his therapist or whoever he has going with him, his personal trainer. You know, he's probably got five, six, seven people around him that go to these tournaments with him. And that's also the same with a lot of the big players. So that part I'm going to be really interested about is who – because earlier Djokovic said that the U.S. Open told him that they can only bring one person with them. So who are some of these players going to pick? Maybe their coach? Well, then they got to just do FaceTimes to see how they're going to stretch their quad when it hurts. Very, (laughs) very intrigued on how this works. And like you said, the umpires, the ball persons, all of that stuff. I'm very, very interested to see how it works because there's been a lot of tennis that's been played um, that it hasn't been official, but all of it has been like private. So like they can kind of do whatever they want because there's no huge governing body that's going to hold them accountable for certain things, right? And so it's going to be very interesting to see how the USTA as a whole governing body handles the U.S. Open as a whole and the Western and Southern Open, for that matter. There's going to be a nice sneak peek, and I think that will help that there's going to be a sneak peek before the U.S. Open. They can kind of get, um, you know, the nuts and bolts um, together and some of the stuff that they want to get out of there um, early on. But to the playing field, Fed and Rafa, two of the top three in the world, won't be playing in the U.S. Open this year. Very interesting. We knew Fed wasn't going to play in it. Rafa just announced a week and a half ago that he's not playing in it. So that leaves it kind of wide open. Now, you might say Joker has been very good on hard court like he was in Melbourne earlier this year. But, Brendan, who, other than Djokovic, who, do you think anybody else can win this tournament other than Djokovic? I mean, man, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to go against Djokovic. I mean... Even with the big three in there, you know, even with Fed and Rafa in there, Djokovic has been playing so well. It's it's going to be a, a hard it, – it's going to be hard to bet against that guy. Um, but then, I don't know, some of the other guys I like, I think if, if, if this were a time in which an American were going to win the U.S. Open again, John Isner has got to take advantage of this. If, if he is going to have a shot at winning the U.S. Open while the big three is around – He's got to go for it during this this just strange time. Um, I think that would be the only way he could really get in there. Um, so I don't know. I think I kind of got him as a little bit of dark horse um, team. Obviously, is is good, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think team could beat Djokovic on a hard court. But I think Medvedev would be the other one. Um, you know, obviously, we they, those are the top three guys there, but. The, the showing that he had, what was it was it at the U.S. Open yeah. or the Australian Open last year? The U.S. Open last year, he went to the finals and played Rafa. Barely lost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he said he doesn't like playing five-set matches, which as a professional tennis player, if you're going to make it there, you're going to play five-set <laughs> matches. And you don't have a choice. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what he means by that, but if he, if he can just power through. I mean, he was down in a lot of those matches and just somehow fought through. Uh, I think he's just got this very, very strong-willed personality that he just kind of won't won't allow himself to lose, and I think that could that could treat him well in this tournament as well. Another thing to think about with the U.S. Open is how many of these players have the proper conditioning at this point to play a five-set match. Now, I'd venture to believe that they're professional athletes; they get paid to be a professional athlete; that they are going to be in shape to play a five-set match, but. Granted, they haven't been. A lot of them haven't been playing a whole ton of matches like they had in years past, leading up to a Grand Slam. So you really never know. Um, you know, at this point in the year, they should be. The year's almost over. Usually, the um, U.S. Open's the last Grand Slam of the year. So it is going to be a little interesting to see how some of the the conditioning of some of these players is 
because this has been such a weird um, experience and year. But my my um, theory, my theory for Rafa not playing in the U.S. Open, I said this last week in the episode, is that he's gonna go to the French, right? Just not playing the U.S. Open, just go to the French Open. So, Brendan, with if that's true, do you think Rafa is still the favorite at the French Open? because he's resting here just because he's Rafa or do you think if he doesn't play in it who do you think could win it then could it be team could it be Medvedev could it be Joker if Joker goes there but also if he does play in it do you think anybody can beat him yeah so I think Rafa whether he would play the U.S. Open or not obviously not but even if he was I think he'd still be the favorite for the French I mean that's just this is Rafa. You can't count against him. He's lost, what, like a total of three matches his entire life at, at, at the French Open or something yeah, like it's that? On, I think it's on clay court. On, yeah, on clay court. I mean, the, the guy's yeah. just insane. So I, I will never count it against him uh, at the French Open. I mean, I hope sometime Fed can get back out there and see if he can challenge him. But, uh, yeah, I would I would pick Rafa as the favorite. Um if he doesn't play, I think team, and I, even if he does play, I think team is going to be there to challenge him. I, I could definitely see a team um, Rafa final if that's how the brackets work out. Um, I, I think team could be up there and challenging him. He's been the young gun that's been kind of following in Rafa's footsteps, and he's always put up a good fight on clay, and I think he could beat Djokovic on clay. I mean, Djokovic is always good, but um, not as strong there, and so I really think that team could could not only give himself a good chance at winning, but I think he could give Rafa a run for his money if Rafa's going to be there, um, even though Rafa is still the favorite. And and credit to Dominic Team because Team has also matured a lot, I think, in the last year when he played Rafa in the French Open last year in the final. Um, I think it was more of a just, hey, I'm happy to be here. Let's see if we can beat the best play or the best clay court player ever. But I th- but I think he really has played in a lot of big matches. He's kind of coming into himself on the tour a little bit, and he's playing really well in every tournament he's playing in. So I think I think that kind of happens a lot with some of these great players. You see people like you know Shapovalov who will play really well in one one tournament or two tournaments, and then you know the year does get long. So how long can they last? Right, and I think Medvedev's probably a year and a half away from being really, really good at every tournament. But I think Team is about there. Um, Sitsipas kind of has a little bit ways to go. He had a great year last year, drew an egg, and lost to Rublev in the U.S. Open last year. So that shows you kind of where his not his maturity, but just like being a seasoned player on the tour is a super hard thing to do. And I think Dominic Team could be there with a decent showing at the U.S. Open. And I think you're right. He's really the only person I see giving Rafa a run for his money, unless Djokovic really plays well, which Djokovic always pulls something out. So, I mean, who knows at this point? Um, but the other top player in the world, Roger Federer, seems to be living the dream. Um, you know, signs with on running, makes some sweet commercials. You know, has a microscopic knee surgery and just hangs out in the Swiss Alps. Not a bad life. And he's the richest person from 2019 to 2020 that plays sports. Like, what was that? 106 million dollars. Yeah, not yeah, a bad chunk. I mean, of, not a bad chunk of change to take with you through a pandemic. But do you think this year sitting sitting out for him this year is eventually going to help him, or does it hurt him that he just turned 39? You know, I I think it's going to help him. Uh, you know, getting older, they need that rest, and I know he takes care of his body, and he's like he's like the Tom Brady of tennis, like. It just he defies age. I mean, the 
the final at Wimbledon last year was was just insane to see him go at that and and that was you know after a, a full year of tennis and he's been playing and and so you could tell at the end of that that you know his his age was taking a toll on him and, and I think that kind of came back to bite him at the end but I mean having a year off doing I'm sure he's doing training he's getting that knee ready he always seems to play well when he comes back from kind of an injury you know, he, he's done this before where he's taken some time off and then he's come back. And, and you know, that was when he had that uh, that incredible five set match or four or five set match with with Nadal down in Australia. And that was just incredible. And that just showed you like what that rest can do for him. And I, and I think that this will this will bode well for him, whether he plays a full calendar slam. You know, I that's, that's tough because he, he he never really is thrilled about playing the French, but it'll, it'll still bode well for him. I think at the Australian Wimbledon, the U S open. And if he wants to go for it in the French, I think it's really going to help him. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how he, um, how he bounces back from this. I do. I do think it's beneficial because um, even though he is getting older, I think this year off in whole is going to be really good for him because it just gives him a whole year to recuperate. And the fact that, um, he doesn't really need to feel bad because, I mean, other players are opting out and there's a pandemic going on and, you know, he's not really expected to play in all these tournaments anyway. So um, I, I think it does benefit him a lot. And I'm really looking forward to 2021, which I hope is more of a normal year in the sports world. And he can actually play in that. Um, U.S. Open, one last time, um, U.S. Open and then French Open. How excited are you for this fall, Brendan? Because it seems like we're going to get tennis seven days a week every day until the NITO ATP finals, which is in like November. Oh, man, I'm excited. I mean, even just like a couple of weeks ago, they were they had the world team tennis on TV and I found myself watching that. And, you know, that's just these guys going out. There. I mean, like Kim Kleisters was playing Sloan Stevens in one of the matches. So it's just like. Well, more for fun. It was like a club tennis kind of style, and and so the fact that I found myself watching that and, and being intrigued was, was I think a, a good indicator of of how excited I am to have good professional Grand Slam tennis back. I mean, I am going to be tuning in, watching every single match that I can. I need to subscribe to ESPN Plus or find a way to get on the tennis channel. I got to get all those matches in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to have these matches back. I was real bummed. Um, when Wimbledon got canceled, and and so I'm I'm excited that the U.S. Open is still moving forward. That'll be fun to watch, and then uh, to kind of switch it up and and get a different surface and still be able to see a clay court um, Grand Slam. I think that'll be a lot of fun to be able to have these matches back and see the competition. I really hope Rafa can come back because that's just going to make the French that much better. So one last thing, don't you do like acoustics? Isn't that your job? uh yeah i do that's that's kind of where i'm working right now so like t- tell me this if you know this in the arthur ash stadium would it truly affect them if they close the roof a little bit and there's no one in the stands and there's nowhere for that noise to go oh it absolutely would i mean they already talk about how it, it kind of changes it when there are fans in the stadium and, and you think about it the people absorb sound you know we are flesh and it easily kind of absorb sound and i don't know what the are those seats hard seats are they cushioned they're like hard you know? plastic 
Yeah, I mean, it, the sound is just going to bounce all over the place in there. The the ball is going to be it's going to be a crack and it's going to echo. I mean, it's it's not just going to be like a a boom and done. Like it's just going to sit there for forever, especially if they close that ceiling. I mean, there's going to be hardly anyone in there, and it is going to be super reverberant <laughs> for sure. Straight from an expert, folks. Not only did I bring a tennis expert in here, but I brought a sound expert. So you're welcome for that, and pay attention to the U.S. Open. And be very – I mean, maybe they won't play a lot of matches in Arthur Ashe. They don't need to. There's going to be no fans. So maybe and you know, maybe they won't. Maybe, maybe they'll bring in I, – like I said, in, in the bubble, I actually read an article the other day um, with the NBA bubble where they're, they're doing all this different, you know, miking, and they have, they have 30 mics underneath the, uh, underneath the basketball court to pick up the sound in a different way. And so maybe they'll bring in professionals. I mean, it is a professional sporting event. I imagine that they have the resources to be able to bring in people like this to maybe try to mitigate some of that sound because I think everyone knows that might be an issue. So maybe they'll bring someone in and they'll be able to kind of do some adjusting and make it not so uh, crazy. And, and like you said, I think that, that Southern Open should hopefully help them a little bit to iron out some of the details and, and maybe they'll realize some of that. They'll be like, wow, we need to work on, you know, the sound or we need to, you know, pipe in some crowd noise or just get rid of the crowd noise or, or do whatever. So I think hopefully they'll be able to see what that sounds like and what that feels like and, and get a really, really good realistic feel for, for the U S open. And, and maybe they'll at least have it all finished out by the time the final runs around. I am so intrigued on how this is going to go. I'm so interested to see how the world of tennis goes. And I really hope they peep in some sound. I think they might, but it's hard to, it's just hard with sports to do sound. You know, it's not like basketball where sound's always going, especially a quiet sport like tennis. Mm-hmm. going to be very interesting and see if, you know, we get a big fist pump from anybody to zero people in the stands. That is also <laughs> yeah. going to be very interesting and i'm kind of looking forward to it um well brendan thanks um been a lot of fun uh i think we got a lot in this episode on social media brendan where can the loyal viewers of this podcast find you yeah absolutely find me on uh instagram facebook twitter uh, snapchat all the same twitter or all the same handle uh blear08 uh you can catch me out there i got some tennis posts tennis posts here and there but um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a lot of fun to talk some tennis and and always good to catch up with a, a former Mitchell Colonel. It's the way it goes. I had I had uh, for some of the loyal listeners, I had Bo Brown on here once, and that was ever interesting, um, <laughs> as you can probably imagine. My, me with Bo and Brendan, we used to hang out um, for we used to play tennis together, and let me tell you what, a lot of personality on that team. As any of you can probably imagine. Some Chad advice. Chad will tell you that if you ever see him rolling around. Anybody listens to this, you'll see. He'll tell you all about that team. It was probably a nightmare to coach. Um, Man, but it was so fun. That was the the big three. We started a kind of a a tennis revolution in in Mitchell, and and it was fun to kind of be be a part of that pioneering group, you know, you and me and and Bo um, going at it. It was it's pretty cool to look back at our legacy and 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 see what we what we did and what we accomplished and and now what the tennis team can do in Mitchell. It's it's a lot of fun. If anybody ever strolls through Mitchell, I encourage you to go look at the Corn Palace. But don't you don't need to like travel there just to see the Corn Palace. But <laughs> it's not worth it. You'll you'll get a little hint of where I'm from. Um, you want to reach out to Believe? You can reach out at Believe Podcast both on Instagram and Twitter. 
or at believe.com. That is B L E A V. Reach out to me. Let me know what you think. Let me let you know or let me know what you want to hear on the podcast. I know there's some big tournaments coming up. I'll be throwing some stuff out there to make sure that we stay all caught up with all of that at Jacob Sersosmo, both on Instagram and Twitter. Awesome. What a great week. Um, everybody, stay safe. I'm so excited for tennis to come back. I think Brendan's excited for tennis finally to come back, right? Absolutely. Have you been bored? <laughs> yes. He's been bored. I think he's. you're back in Mitchell, right? Should be living in I Chicago, am. live in Mitchell. Tough. Yep. A little different. Yep. Tough call. Yeah. <laughs> Tough go for everybody this week. But appreciate you listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.